All right. So glad you guys are here today. As they said in the announcements, my name is Zach. I'm the pastor here at River Club, and I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, listen, we know that in this room, there are some that, you know, you come today and you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus. There are some where if you were being honest, you had some questions about God, questions about Jesus. Some, some maybe you're skeptical. You're skeptical about what God is or who God is and, and really what does this have to do with life and all this kind of stuff. And I want you to know this, that no matter where you are on that faith journey today, no matter where you are in your life, whatever brought you here today, I am so glad that you're here and I believe there's a purpose behind it. So I'm going to welcome you and I hope you feel at home. I hope you feel comfortable. I hope you know that we love you and that God loves you and that we're so glad that you're here. And so whether you're in this room, you're watching online or whether you're listening some other time to this message, I believe God is going to do something pretty cool in our time today. Before we jump into the message, though, I want to share an update. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about an event called Bumping for Elise. Um, Elise Velez and her family are a part of our church, and she has been battling and is battling a brain tumor. And so some Friends got together and they hosted a volleyball tournament uh, yesterday for her. And uh, I had the opportunity to play with some of our students um, and, and represent. You know, they always say that you, if you're going to be an athlete, you want to be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. Well, we didn't get a whole lot of chance to work on our humility, but we definitely got a chance to be gracious in defeat. Um, but we had a really, really uh, good time. But the coolest part was seeing people come out. And I know that many of you were, were a part of that. Many of you gave to um, the, the PayPal account that they have, and you can still do that at Hope for Elise at Outlook.com. Uh, but over $4,500 was raised through the donations and yesterday. So let's praise God for that, because that's pretty cool for this family and that, uh, that we get to be a part of just meeting a need there. And, uh, and probably the, you know, another big praise is I can still stand today. And so that's kind of a good, a good thing. There was some concern uh, from some people uh, when they saw me out there. But uh, today we're going to come to the last of two weeks in our series called Wisdom Works. We've been looking throughout this summer at just this, the idea of does, does the Bible have advice, wisdom, knowledge, insight that really still applies, still applies to our life today. And the, the, the idea has been, the, it, yeah, we believe it does. We believe that, that the Bible speaks to every part of, of your life, every part of our life. And God wants to lead you and God wants to lead us through Jesus to his very best. And what, what will bring us, you know, joy and fullness and satisfaction and hope and peace and strength and all these things he promises us. But he'll do that when we live according to his design. And so, you know, we've been looking at this book of Proverbs, which was written by and contains the teachings by uh, this guy named Solomon, this, this Old Testament ancient king of Israel who was known for his incredible wisdom that God granted him and, and God gave him. And so we've been coming back around this idea of, okay, in this teaching of wisdom, there's an incredible promise. And it, it talks about this and, and, and the writer says, my child, right, says, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so we've been looking at what is God's wisdom when it comes to certain areas of our life. 
What did Solomon teach as the best way to live, as, as, as God's best for you and God's best for me? Because the common thing, no matter where you come from today, that I believe about us all is we're looking for what works in life. We want to know what's going to work. We want to know what's going to make us happier. We want to know what's going to satisfy us more, fulfill us more. And so what we've been kind of putting out there is this idea that, you know, could God's wisdom be what still works today? But the only way you're going to realize the answer to that question is by trying it out. And so we've been challenging each other and walking through this summer of saying, okay, let's look at God's wisdom for our work, God's wisdom for the words that we say, for the decisions that we make. And today we want to look at God's wisdom for the relationships and the friendships that we have in life. And asking the question, if we will be willing to try this out, could God's wisdom still work for us? Will God's wisdom still work for us? The only way we're going to know is by trying it. And that's the challenge. Will you allow God to speak in to whatever area of life you're talking to him about? Specifically today about relationships, about our friendships. See, no matter where you are, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, I believe God has practical advice for your life. He has practical insight. Whether you're a student today, whether you're a uh, young adult, whether you're a, a college student, whether you're a senior adult, listen, relationships are a huge part of our life. Relationships are some of the most important things in our life. And Solomon in the book of Proverbs talks to us about God's wisdom for relationships. How do we do relationships in the best possible way? How do we do relationships that work, that actually make our lives better? And he says this in Proverbs 13, 20 and 21. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. So if you've been reading the daily readings and going through the book of Proverbs, you'll notice this, that Proverbs talks about really two types of people. You have those who Solomon says are wise, or sometimes those are the righteous. And and, and the wise people, here's how he defines them. The wise people are those that know right from wrong and choose to do what is right. So wisdom's not just about knowing, it's about application. It's practical knowledge. And so she says, listen, the wise people are those who know right from wrong and do what is right. But then the other set are the foolish people, the fools. And they're also called the wicked at some time. But it's this idea, those are the ones who know right from wrong, but choose to do what is wrong. Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, the, the writer is saying, listen, be a wise person. Don't be a foolish person. Choose wisdom. Don't choose foolishness. Be righteous, not wicked. But in this context, he doesn't just say for you to do that. He says that the other people in your life are going to influence you. That if you walk with wise people, those who know what's right and they do what's right, then you're going to become more wise. But if you walk with foolish people, those who know right from wrong but choose to do what's wrong, not that you're just going to become foolish. It says you're actually going to suffer harm. And so the the kind of big context, the big idea that Solomon shares throughout the book of Proverbs about about what it means to be be friends and to to have wisdom in our friendships is this. And I want to encourage you to write it down in your notes. Is this, that, that your relationships will determine the direction and the quality of your life. That your relationships, my relationships, are going to determine the direction of my life, where I'm going, how I'm getting there, where I'm eventually going to end up. And they're going to determine also the quality of my life. Because he says, if you walk with the wise, if you surround yourself with wise people, you're going to become more wise. 
But if you hang out with and are close to and influenced by foolish people, you're actually not going to die to become foolish. It's actually going to create harm for your life. That good friendships, healthy friendships are a blessing. But unhealthy or wrong relationships and wrong friendships actually are a detriment to your life and mine. And so he says, listen, as, as people, we need to, to, to do this. Look at Proverbs 12, 26. He says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of li- the wicked leads them astray. That if you want to be a righteous person, a wise person, if you want to seek God's best and know what is best, then when it comes to your friendships and relationships, you need to make sure, and we need to make sure that we choose them carefully. And that's the big idea for today. So write this down. The, the, the wisdom is found in learning how to choose the right relationships and avoiding the wrong ones. That if we want to live a life of wisdom, if we want to live a life of, of God's best, according to Solomon, if we want to see if God's best really is applicable and really is the best for us, then we need to test him on this. That wisdom is found in choosing the right relationships and avoiding the wrong ones. Well, so why do we choose wrong relationships? I think that's a, that's a good question to ask. Because I, I, like, I, I believe the best about you. I hope you believe the best about me. Like, I, I believe that when you wake up in the morning and you think about your friendships or students, when you start school this next year and you've got new kids in your classes and you're going to be making new friends or, you know, maybe you're going out on a date if you're a single adult and you're, you're trying to find the person you want to marry, hopefully. Like, like, I believe the best about you, that your intention is I want to find the best people. I want to find good friends. I want to find the right friends. I don't think you wake up in the morning going, man, I really hope I get into a bad relationship today. Like I could use some more drama, right? I could use some more betrayal. Like I don't have enough people talking behind my back. So I'm going to go find somebody who's going to bash me, my other friends. Like, like that's what I'm looking for today. Listen, I want to find somebody who's not really going to love me, even though they say they love me. Like, like I believe that inside of all of us, we're, we're wanting to do the right thing. But here's the, here's the reality is if you're like me, you can look back in your life or maybe look at your life now and say, while I want to choose the right friends, maybe sometimes I don't always do that. That maybe I've, I've actually chosen some of the wrong friends, gotten into the wrong relationships, even though that wasn't the, the intention, but I found myself there. So why, why do we do that? Well, if you're taking notes, and I want to encourage you to do this, on, on the back of your, your worship guide, pull this out, even if you're not like a normal note person, because the notes that you're going to get today they're not just going to be for you. Like, I truly believe you're going to be able to use these to help other people out because we all struggle with relationships. So what are some of the reasons why we choose the wrong relationships? I think number one is this, and these are just a couple, but is that we have a desire for acceptance. Like inside of all of us is this desire to be wanted. We want to be wanted, right? We, we want to be accepted by people. We want people to like us want people to love us, to affirm us, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. We've been created in God's image. So we desire relationships. But sometimes if we focus on just having a desire to be accepted, we'll become friends with the people who accept us, whether or not it's wise for us to accept them as close friends. And so the danger is sometimes we choose our friends based solely upon and get in relationships solely upon the fact that they like us and they accept us. It's not always a bad thing, but sometimes it is. The other side of that is we also have a fear of rejection. As much as we want to be wanted, we don't want to not be wanted, right? Because rejection's hard. 
Nobody likes to look at your, you know, your phone on a Friday night and say, man, I really have nobody to go hang out with. Nobody wants to be going through a hard time in your life and saying, I, I don't have anybody to call or talk to. Nobody wants to put themselves out there and say, hey, you know, hey, let's go get some coffee or hey, why don't you come to church with me or hey, why don't you, we will be in my life group and, and for that person to say no, because rejection is hard. And so sometimes our fear of rejection means is that we choose to be friends with the people who don't reject us. Or maybe we would rather have an unhealthy relationship than have no relationship at all. And let's be honest, because you see this in people, right? Especially in dating relationships. You, you begin to date somebody and you, you, know, you start going out with them and, and, and you know, you maybe, or maybe you're friends with somebody who they're going out with somebody and, and, and like, if they're honest, they're like, you know, you see this, you, you see your person, you know, this person being a spouse one day, do you want to marry him one day? And they're like, no, I don't really think their marriage material. So in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, well, isn't the point to get married one day? So like, why would you be in a relationship with somebody if you don't really think it's ever going to go anywhere? And for a lot of us, if we're honest, we get into relationships sometimes because they're there. And we would rather have any relationship than no relationship. We would rather have somebody to talk to, even though if they're not the best for us, then feel like we have nobody to talk to. So that fear of rejection and being alone sometimes can cause us to choose the wrong people. Another one, this is a big one, it's the power of proximity. We tend to be closer to the people who are closer to us, like physically. You know, for a lot of us, we, we work with people in, in our, on our jobs who we see more and talk to more than we actually see and talk to our families. We spend more time at work than we do at home. So if we're going to have relationships, well, we're going to have relationships from the people and with the people that are closest to us. Why? Because it's convenient. Students, for some of you, the reason why you're friends with the people you're friends with isn't because you gave a lot of thought to, hey, is this a person that's going to be a healthy friendship that's going to be good for my life? It's because you sat next to them in geometry. And they were the least weird of everybody else, right? Or maybe it's because I go to this school or I'm in this youth group and these people become my friends. And there's nothing wrong with that. God places us there oftentimes so that we can find the right relationships. But sometimes if we only base our relationships and our friendships on the fact that they're close and convenient, they might not always be the best. So this desire for acceptance sometimes can drive us to the wrong relationship. So can the fear of rejection. Sometimes it's convenience. Well, how do we make sure, whether we're a teenager, whether we're in fifth grade, fourth grade, whether we're 95, how do we make sure that the relationships in our life are the best relationships, that we're actually choosing the right ones, the healthy ones? What I want to do in the time we have left, I want to share with you five just practical things, five practical truths that we see expressed in in God's word, in the Bible, kind of his wisdom for what can we do to be positioned to, to choose the healthy relationships, to make sure that when it comes to relationships and comes to friendships and comes to those closest to us, that we're living out God's best for ourselves and for them as well. We'll write this down. The first one is this. If we're going to learn to have the good relationships, the right relationships, then first is this, that we need to maintain a healthy balance and a healthy perspective. We need to maintain a healthy balance and perspective. Because here's the challenge when it comes to relationships. Is, and this is specifically if you, if you today would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? I'm choosing to live my life according to what, what Jesus says is best. 
is the Bible time and time again says, walk with the wise. Be careful about your friends, right? Be discerning about your friends. Make sure you're not allowing people to have a negative influence on your life. But the problem is, is that nobody's perfect, right? No friend is ever going to be perfect. And in fact, God actually calls us to go and reach out to people who, if, 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 if we were honest, may not be the best influence on us, but God has called for us to care about them. So how do we not just say, okay, well, you have to be a perfect person just like Jesus to be my friend. And if you're not, I want nothing to do with you because Jesus says that's exactly the opposite way to live. How do we make sure we have the right balance and perspective in our life? How do we know that that person needs to have more influence and intimacy with, with us than somebody else maybe? How do we know that relationship and really what the purpose of it is for our life? Well, this book I read many, many years ago that came out, it's called The Seven Checkpoints. It was written by a pastor named Andy Stanley and his student pastor at the time, this guy, Stuart Hall. And it was originally written to youth pastors to kind of give an idea of here's what they believe was foundational that students would know before they graduated and moved on to college or moved on to the workforce. Now, here's what's so cool is that sometimes what's intended for like teenagers or even sometimes it's intended for kids actually still applies when you're 60 because there's truth there. And so one of the, the checkpoints is healthy relationships. And, and, and they talk about this way of understanding how to have the right balance and perspective in the relationships that we have. Because we need to be close to some people. We need to be closer to some other people. But there are other people that God is calling us to love and to care for and minister to. So how do we have that balance? Well, they use three concentric circles. And this idea of kind of having a healthy perspective. So if you have notes on, on uh, space on your note sheet or maybe flip to the other page, write this down because this is really important. Is they say that the first outer circle in your life, those are the people that you have a concern for. Or if you don't like the word concern, you have a care for. That, that you, you know these people and you know that, that God has kind of placed you in their life and them in your life because God wants you to minister to them. He wants you to love them. He wants you to care for them. You know, maybe they're not the people that you would say, I want to live exactly like that. And it's not because you're better or because they're worse. A lot of times it's because you've embraced Jesus Christ. You've chosen to live your life according to his way and they haven't made that decision yet. So you're kind of looking at it from two different perspectives about life and how you make decisions. But you know God has placed that person in the cubicle next to you. They placed them in, in, on the road next to your, your geometry class. Like you know God has put you there and you have a connection for a purpose. But they're not the people that you need to be the closest to. You're really there to care for and influence them. And those people you need in your life. Those are some of the relationships that we need to have. Then you kind of go a little bit deeper. And this is the, these are the people that you, you have influence over and have influence over you. These are the people you kind of walk with. They're your peers. So these might be the people, students in our student ministry. They might be the people, you know, adults in your life group or that you serve with. Like, you know, you have a lot in common. And, and as you get to know them a little bit more, because you get to know them more, they get to know you more, you begin to understand that, you know, there are things about them that you know that, that, that they, they're probably healthy in. You know they're not as healthy in. They know that about you as well. But you begin to kind of have this mutual beneficial relationship. They encourage you, you encourage them. They influence you, you influence them. So you know them a little bit more, so you open yourself up a little bit more. But then there's this center circle, and it's a circle of intimacy. These are the people who know you best. These are the people who you're most open with, 
who you share your biggest secrets with. These are the ones who you trust with the things that you wouldn't tell the other people in your life. These are those close friends that at three o'clock in the morning, if you need to call somebody, you know that if you can wake them up, they'll talk with you, right? These are the, the closest people. And so every person that you have a relationship with has a place and has a, a point in your life. But the danger is to maybe let somebody who needs to be a concerned person become an intimate person. And so we need to make sure that we're balanced in our life, that we're looking for people that we can influence, that we can love and care for, that we're looking for people that can care for us and we can encourage, and we're looking for those people who can really influence us. And what's cool is Jesus actually modeled this same idea. Jesus, the one who was perfect, the one who lived life exactly the way we need to live our lives, actually lived his life in, with, with, with different levels of relationship. It says in Matthew nine thirty six that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Listen, Jesus loved everybody. He had a concern for everybody. There was nobody who was too, too much of an outcast. There was nobody who was, was too sinful. There was nobody who was too broken that Jesus didn't care for, that he didn't love, that he didn't reach out to, that he didn't connect with. But he didn't spend all of his time and share his most personal life with everybody. He had a, a smaller circle, and that was his 12 disciples, the, the 12 closest followers that he lived with, that he stayed with, that he ate with, that he spent time with. And it was a little bit different because Jesus wasn't really looking for their influence, but he was looking for their encouragement at times. He needed that connection. But then even in that 12, he had three, three of those 12 that he would pull aside and he would spend even more one-on-one time with, that he would bring into even deeper conversations, that he would share even more of his thoughts with. See, Jesus had, you know, this, this connection to the crowd around him. He had community with others, but then he had this closer relationship with a smaller group of people. And so sometimes maybe it's not, should I be friends with this person? Should I be in a relationship with this person? It's what kind of relationship should I be in? What is, why did God put them in my life? Why did God put me in their life? And knowing that it's okay that not everybody has the same invitation, the same closeness, the same openness in our life. It's actually healthy. So we need to have the right balance and perspective. But part of knowing that is the second thing. We've got to learn to ask the right questions. We've got to learn to ask the right questions. You know, we looked earlier and Solomon said in Proverbs twelve twenty six, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. He says, listen, that, that there's an intentionality to how we choose the people who are going to be close to us. That our friends need to be something that we think about, not just something that we like them because they like us, because they're close to us. We need to think about it. And one of the ways we think about it is by asking questions. Because the reality is this, is that while we want to give people the benefit of the doubt, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. He says, listen, we can be fooled by the people in our life. Now, the danger is, is that we hear that and we go, well, then I don't want to be friends with anybody, right? It's not worth it. But see, relationships are worth it. They're messy because we're broken and perfect people. But Jesus said, it's important what? That we love one another. 
It's important that we have relationship with one another. So even though it's messy at times and it's hard, it's worth it. But we need to be careful that we're choosing the right friends. Because even, you know, good people can sometimes fool us. So we just got to be on guard. Well, how do we do that? One of the ways is we ask questions. You know, we can ask questions like, you know, is this person, is this relationship, as I get to know them more, are they pushing me and helping me become more like Jesus and be closer to Jesus? Or are they making it harder for me to be like Jesus? You know, are they somebody that's helping me make wise decisions and getting me in good positions? Or every time I'm with them, do I always seem to be making poor decisions? Do I find myself being in a place where, you know, it's like I keep, I, I don't, don't want to do that, but I'm, when I'm with them, I always seem to do that. You know, where's the, direct, where's the relationship heading? Is this a relationship that is, is becoming closer and closer and closer? As we're dating one another, maybe, are we getting closer and closer to having those conversations about marriage and about future? You know, is, is this a relationship that if it does grow closer, that's going to be healthy? Or is it one that's kind of not as important and kind of changes a little bit? You know, it, it could be this question of, you know, if I'm going to become more and more like the people I'm around, do I want to become more and more like this person? If they were going to influence me, would that be something I would like? Is this somebody who I look up to? Learning how to ask those questions is just an important thing. It's part of how we evaluate the relationship. So the third thing is this, is that not only do we need to, you know, have a healthy balance and perspective and ask the right questions, but we've got to learn how to set strong boundaries and convictions. Healthy relationships have boundaries. Healthy relationships know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. They know what to say yes to, what to say no to. We've probably all been in a relationship where the boundaries got crossed. Somebody overstepped. You thought you had this agreement, and you didn't have that agreement. You know, you thought, listen, we made, we, we made it clear as we start dating that, that my physical purity is an important thing to me. I want to honor God with, with what I do physically with other people. And as you got closer and closer and closer, you began to realize that wasn't the same boundary and conviction the other person had. Or maybe you said, these are the things that are most important to me. My faith's important. Church is important. And you find that as you get to know that person more and more, they begin to try to pull you away from that. See, we got to have healthy boundaries. What's acceptable, what's right, what's wrong, what we, what we accept, what we don't accept, and then the right convictions. It's important to know what we know before we allow other people to tell us what they think we should know. See, we, we, we got to make sure we have those healthy boundaries. Proverbs 18.24 says this, There are quote-unquote friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are some people that, if we don't have the right boundaries in place, will appear to be a friend, but will actually create harm, will actually not be healthy for us. It's okay to have some of those boundaries, to know, is this a person that's more in that outer circle of my relationships? Is this the person I need to allow in? Is this the person I'm going to be close, close, close to? This is a person that I got to be careful getting involved in their stuff because when I come in to try to help, I always seem to get pulled into some unhealthy things, right? Yeah, they're a friend, but are they the right friend? Are we living out that friendship in the right way? Number four is this, and this is, this is just the reality of what's going to happen because 
if you begin to ask these questions, it might be that the, the friends that you have, some of those aren't going to be as close to you anymore. Or maybe the number of friends that you have, it's not going to be the same as, as the ones that you have when you begin to set in boundaries. So one of the things we need to learn is this, is that, is that sometimes and a lot of times quality can actually be better than quantity. Quality can actually be better than quantity. Sometimes it's not about how many friends you have, it's how good of friends you have. It's not about how many people like you and how many people call you to go out Friday night, but it's who's calling you on Friday night. It might not be about, you know, how many people you've dated, how many people have responded to your, you know, your profile on the dating site, but, but, but who's doing that? And listen, we all understand that sometimes quality is better than quantity. That's why we'll pay three times as much to go to Outback than we will to go to CC's, Right? Listen, for $5.99, CeCe's is a great deal. But when I go to CeCe's, it's not because I'm looking for quality. It's because what? I want a lot to eat, right? Now, if I was going to pay $25 to go to CeCe's, some middle schoolers were like, I'd pay $50. You know, but at least they don't know any better, right? <laughs> I'm just playing with you. But it's like, you know, we, we, we have a limit because it's about quality. It's not about quantity. I mean, quantity, not quality, right? Same thing with friends. You know, Proverbs twenty two twenty four, you know, says, don't befriend angry people or associate with a hot-tempered people, or you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You know, it's one example. It's not just about hot-tempered people, but the bigger truth and principle is this, is that there are some people you don't need to be closest to. Not everybody needs to be your best friend. You don't need to get involved in everybody's business every single time their opportunity arises. Sometimes it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. And then number five, the most important thing, is if we're going to do relationships on a horizontal level right, if we're going to have healthy friendships, if we're going to have healthy dating relationships, if we're going to have good marriages, then those relationships can never take the place of our relationship with Jesus. Because we've got to make sure that when it comes to relationships with the people around us, that we remember that nothing can replace what God can provide. Nothing can replace what God can provide. That only God can provide. Nothing can replace what we find in Jesus. And what happens is when we put those types of things on even good people and good relationships, and we make them what they're not supposed to be, those good things can actually become bad things for us. That good friendship that you make more important than your relationship to Jesus can actually become a bad friendship. That marriage that you're in that you put is more important than whether or not you're going to honor God in what you do, that actually has a negative effect on how great your marriage is going to be. That, 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 that boyfriend, that girlfriend that, that you've made everything even though they're a great person, they can never be God. And it's not fair for us to put the expectations of, of what we hope God can do for us on other people because they're never going to live up. And when they don't, don't, if we've put all of our expectations, all of our hope in people, then when those people let us down, which they will, when we let people down, which we will, then we don't know where to turn. Because only Jesus can provide certain things in our life. Listen, only Jesus can tell you who you are. 
Only Jesus has the, the, the place in your life to, to reveal to you that you're loved unconditionally. Like only Jesus is the person we need to turn to for our ultimate hope, hope, for our ultimate peace. Not saying our friends aren't great, our spouses aren't great, but they're never intended and we're never intended to be our God. They were to be given as gifts by God to us. Look what the psalmist writes in Psalm 62, 6. He says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. God alone, Jesus alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Listen, the only person that will never let us down is Jesus. The only person that will be the perfect friend to us is Jesus. The only person who will will give us the peace that goes beyond anything that happens in life is Jesus. The, the only person who loves us unconditionally with no strings attached and will always do that is Jesus. And so until we get the relationship with Jesus right, we're never gonna get the relationship with others right. That's why when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in life? He said, love God, then love others. Love God and love others. He didn't say love others and love God. He said they go hand in hand. But he said God first because God has to be first. Listen, our relationships, our friendships, our dating relationships, our marriages, our coworkers, the people we go to school with, those relationships are important. As we said, listen, they're going to determine the direction and the quality of our life. And wisdom according to the Bible is found when we learn to choose the right relationships and avoid the wrong ones. And so here's the, the takeaway, the question I want to have you ask yourself, because I'm asking myself the same thing. Am I being wise in my relationships? If wisdom's choosing the right relationships, if wisdom is having the right relationships being viewed in the right way, if wisdom is setting the right boundaries, if wisdom is having the right convictions, if wisdom is saying it's got to be God first, I've got to honor God first before I worry about other people. And if it means I can't honor God and be in this relationship, I might need to rethink the relationship. It, all of those things, wisdom is found when we put God first. We put Jesus first. So are you being wise? Am I being wise in my relationships? You know, it could be that as we think about that, there are some relationships that need to be redefined. There are some relationships that really need to be a little bit less intimate that you've allowed in that you need to create some distance with, create some space with. Maybe there's somebody who gets you so involved in their, in their junk that you become unhealthy that you need to say, I got to create a little bit of a boundary here. Maybe you're in a dating relationship right now and you know that where that dating relationship is headed is not a good thing long-term. And instead of waiting until it gets harder and harder, you gotta get out of that relationship today. You might be in a marriage right now and that marriage is not healthy. It's not good. It's not, you know it's not what it needs to be and you're like, well, the only option is to leave. I don't think that's the only option. God wants you to work on that, to take care of some things within that. But listen, it could be that you're in a relationship, maybe a friendship, a dating relationship, even a marriage where if you were honest and people got to peek in, 
the window of what happens. You're in an abusive relationship. You're being physically harmed. You're being sexually harmed. You're being emotionally harmed. The best thing you can do is to actually create some space. Because until you do, you're not going to be healthy. And that relationship, whatever God might want to do with it, is never going to happen until you change the place. But here's the thing. It means we have to be willing to act, to be honest, and to say, God, if I'm going to trust you, then I'm ultimately going to trust you with everything. And the reason why I believe that I can trust God, and, and it's a struggle. I don't always do it perfectly. But the reason why I feel like I can trust God when it comes to my relationships is because he gave me the most important relationship, which was Jesus. You know, as, as we end our time today in, the, in this teaching time, we're going to go into a time of response. And, and, and here's what I believe. That as much as the practical side of relationships is important, if our relationship with Jesus is not right, if it's not there, none of the wisdom in the world is going to make that big a difference. Because the reason why God has the ability to speak into our life and why we can trust him is because of what he's given us in Jesus. See, ultimately, we said that you can't have other people replace what God needs to be in your life. And the only way to find that is to make sure that relationship with Jesus, number one, is there and that it's growing, that it's what it needs to be. See, the Bible tells us this all the way back in the first book in Genesis. That God created you, created me, created us as people. The first people, Adam and Eve, and all of us ever since then with a purpose. And that purpose ultimately was to know him, to be known by him, to be in a, a relationship with God. Not one of fear and not one of routine, but to actually know God, to be known by God. To not have a religion, but have a relationship with the one who created you. And who loves you. But because of this thing called sin, because every single person the Bible says, including me, we've made decisions that have rejected God, have, have gone against God. This sin comes in and it begins to hinder and it creates this gap of relationship between us and God. But God loves you so much and loves me so much that he wasn't okay with that gap being there. He wasn't okay with that relationship being broken. So he sent Jesus to come. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He healed people. He taught people. He revealed to us what it means to have full life in, 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 G, in himself and in God and what that really looks like. And, and he did the most important thing he could have done. He died on a cross, taking all of our sin, all those mistakes, all that brokenness on him and saying, I'm going to pay the penalty for it. And when he gave his life, he opened the door for us to be restored to God. And when God raised him from the grave three days later, God said he alone has power over life and death and he alone is the one who can restore our relationship. And see, because of that reality, if we accept that forgiveness, if we accept that relationship, then we have his power in us to do all the other stuff when it comes to the relationships around us. But without Jesus, we're on our own. 
And so if we're going to talk about relationships, we've got to end talking about, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you ever put your faith, your trust in him? Have you ever given your heart and your life to him? Have you asked him to forgive your sin, to begin to mend the brokenness in you? Have you trusted him with who you are? And if not, that's the relationship you need to move to today. And so in a minute, I want to pray a prayer and invite you to pray with me if that's your decision. And then we want to end our, our, our time today as followers of Jesus with what's called the Lord's Supper. So on that night before Jesus was going to be arrested and went to the cross, he had a meal with his closest followers, his closest friends. And during that meal, he, he took a piece of bread and he said that this bread represents my body, which is going to be broken for you. He was saying that he was going to die on a cross, physically give his life. And he says that this cup represents the blood that I'm going to shed that's going to be given for you. And because that blood was shed, you can have life. And he said, any time that you eat this bread and you drink this cup, be reminded that I've done this because I love you. And that when we take the bread and have the cup and we have Lord's Supper, have communion, whatever, whatever you know it as, the reality is this, is it reminds us of this relationship and that this gives us power to do this. So if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you make this decision to pray here in just a minute to be fun, become a follower of Jesus, when the band begins to play, we're going to sing together. I want to invite you on your own to come up. There's four different stations to take a piece of bread, to take a, a cup, and then you can come here to the front, kneel, you can go back to your seat, you can go to the side as a family, and just take the elements as you feel led on your own, being reminded of his love for you, and that because you have a relationship with Jesus, he strengthens you, empowers you to have the right relationships with those around you that he's placed in your path. Would you stand with me? And as we pray to move into this time of response, I want to invite you, if you've never chosen to accept Christ, just to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you. I believe that you love me. That you gave your life on a cross for me. That you were raised from the grave so you can make me new. Jesus, forgive all my sin and mistakes. Jesus, will you begin to heal my brokenness? I commit to follow you from this day forward. Thank you for being a friend that never fails. Thank you for showing me and giving me new life, both now and forever. God, I want to thank you for those that prayed that prayer and for all the others that are here who are your followers. And God, as we are invited as your followers, as Christians, as believers to this table, would you just remind us of the most important relationship we could ever have? And how because you've made us new and you've loved us and Jesus, because of what you've done in our life. We can have the power to 
have even great relationships with those around us. But during this time, remind us of your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Come and take the elements.